Hi, my name is Flip Awesome Aguilera, and welcome to Wait, the show where I find interesting people just like you and discover what's going on between their ears. Now, let's get to know one another. It's good, people. We're in a new year. Yes, I don't know are. if it's a. It's going to be a better year for me. I don't know what everybody else wants to think about this year, but I think it's a fantastic year. But welcome to another episode of Wait. Flip Awesome Aguilera here. And today's mantra is go slow to go smooth. Smooth is fast. Yeah. Go slow to go smooth. Smooth is fast. Smooth is fast. So that's what it is. So this wonderful voice that we have here, this is a good friend of mine, Alain Leon. And what is my uh, relationship with Alain? Well, let's see. Do we want to talk about volleyball? Do we want to yeah. talk about salsa? Do we want to talk about philosophy? Do we want to talk oh, about yeah. crypto? Do we want to talk about just... Uh, discussion groups. Yeah. Do we want to talk about... Nerd uh, night. Yeah. There's so much. There's so much. This is... Yeah, I, we go back. I, in my world, I believe he is one of the most fascinating people to speak to and to bounce ideas off of. So I very much appreciate having a line on the show today. So oh, enough about I'm, me I'm... blowing smoke up a line's ass. <laughs> no, no, no. Let me let me warn you, uh, Flip. I am highly susceptible to flattery. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so let the people know a little bit more about you, your journey, what you've been going through, and uh, yeah, just let give us a good. Wow synopsis on who is a lion wow i mean everybody's uh we're all such a such a big universe right and we're usually so many people at different stages of our life but i'll i'll try to run through the gamut some of the objective stuff and then some maybe some personal stuff so i was born in cuba right i like to tell people that i'm as from miami as from miami gets which means being born in cuba <laughs> um I, I i was i i didn't have a father when i was growing up but i didn't know that you know, like I knew there wasn't a dad there, but I never really felt it missing. I never felt like I was missing anything. My mom was such a powerful presence for me. She was everything for me. So, yeah, I was, a, you know, I, I grew up without a dad, moved to the United States. Uh, in here, my mom reengages in many ways with the, with the Jehovah's Witnesses religion. So I get thrown into that universe. I grow up in a in a complete bubble. In a it's hard to explain. It's in a complete bubble. It's kind of interesting now, you know. After that, now people a lot of the times they talk about cults and you know ISIS or this or how people turn into one side or the other, whether it be extreme left or extreme right. And I'm over here like, yeah, I could I could see how that happens, you know, because you know I, I kind of grew up in a bubble. It shielded me from many things. Looking back, it, it, it gave me, it protected my innocence a lot longer than I think happens in the natural world out in the wild, <laughs> but it also kept me from growing in other ways, right? Um, staunted my thought in, in some, some areas. And then uh, coming out of that, I was always very intellectual. Even as a kid, I always just read a lot. I, originally back then, a lot of it was religious material, but I was always very interested in, in, in technology. At least I used to build computers since I was like 10, you know, for my neighbors, for myself, for, for my family, uh, fix them. That led into me ending up uh, in engineering, which is what I do now for a living, officially a cloud engineer, you know, Azure, 
Google Drive, all that sort of stuff where you, everybody keeps their entire lives there these days. I work to make that happen seamlessly. I have kept though, as one travels emotionally through life, one sort of has these waves in and out. I have kept my interest for, for reading and for ideas and for discussing them, finding people that love them, that love to talk about it. And I think that is the intersection where you and I meet along with those other intersections, right? I'm not just a, you know, a brain and a bat. Uh, we dance salsa, we play volleyball. Right now I'm a lot into tennis. And lately over the past year, I've just been getting a lot into spirituality, trying to define what that is, especially after coming out of, so I don't wanna call it a cult because it's not a cult in my ultimate definition of things, but from very religious, very rigid religious thinking that kind of pushes you in one direction and sometimes even out of spirituality and you got to come in the back way. So I'm um, not sure if I left anything out, but that's a, that's a, a brief synopsis of uh, where I got to where I am today. All right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that synopsis. So I already have a few things I've written down. And the thing with you and me is we already know this, or you and I, is that we can talk forever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, yeah. We, <laughs> we, can go, we can go off the deep end. There's going to be a lot of editing later, yeah. <laughs> but being that you were born in Cuba, and you kind of basically then grew up here in the United States. You know, you hear a lot of that discussion of socialism and capitalism, and we're becoming more social if there's a blue wave, or we're becoming less this if there's a red wave and all that stuff. So from the experiences that you know of from your family being in Cuba and then coming out over here, what is your opinion between the whole socialism versus capitalism is that something is there a hybrid system that can work well or work better or is it always going to be doomed to failure if you're a socialist or what are yeah. your thoughts on all that Ooh, throwing me into the frying pan early on <laughs> <laughs> well um one thing i will say is that people get lost in uh, definitions they they really talk past each other and uh, so we say socialism right uh, in this case let's say we're talking about cuba What's happening in Cuba, I rather sometimes not use the word socialism, even though even though that is the word that, you know, every other word Fidel Castro, when he used to give his speeches, he came out of his mouth was socialism, right? Once one attaches that definitions to, let's say, Cuba, the socialists here, what I've seen is they feel that they, in some way, they're, they're nudged somehow to, to try to defend what may happen in Cuba or what may not happen in Cuba, because they're using the same term socialism. It's really two completely different things. So I would say, first of all, if you wanna know about Cuba, ask me about Cuba and I'll tell you my personal story about Cuba and then you get to decide. But what I have seen a lot, which is I try, I, I try to uh, bring this up to people because a lot of the times if we don't distinguish things, you know, we tend to go, we tend to be nudged in one direction and it takes some time before we're like, oh, I, got, I may not have gotten that correctly. Let me bring that back around. So Cuba, it's its own universe. I mean, it is, it is completely its own universe. Uh, you don't have TV. You don't have telephone. This is back when I was there. Even now, these things are only for the very, very rare folks. My mom, she was actually a Jehovah's Witness in Cuba. Back in the day, she was a lot more active. My brothers and sisters were not able to go to school past uh, high school. What was the equivalent of high school here? Because they were Jehovah's Witnesses. So it was that type of regime. You're giving a, uh, a card 
And with that card, you're supposed to go to the store and you're supposed to get the food that's assigned to you. Uh, by the time you get there, there's barely nothing there. It's definitely not enough. Uh, what interesting stories. Oh, um, just the regular everyday things that even the poorest person here has, you don't get in Cuba. Like we didn't have gum, like chewing gum. When, when somebody would get a piece of chewing gum that, that uh, would be brought out from, usually from, from the United States, somebody that visited and things like that, you would share it with the other kids <laughs> just to see what it tastes like, you know? Mm -hmm. And you would save it for months. So you would take it out. You know how, how here you would have the yeah. gums in like under the desk. When I got here and I found that, I was like, oh my God, these people are just leaving these things around. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 it's crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. it's another universe. It's just, it's, it's another universe. There wasn't enough food around. Um, I'm the youngest of seven. My, at the time, my sisters were already in their teens. They were with their boyfriends. They really didn't want to take care of me. This is what they tell me. You know, they were just in their own little world. And so my mom had nobody to leave me with. And when she would go out to the country to try and trade with the guajiros, the farmers out there, you know, the country folks, she would take me out there. So I have these memories of being out, what to me seemed in the middle of the night, and it was literally probably somewhere either 11 or sometimes 12 at night, walking through either tomato fields or sugarcane fields. I remember one day we just got tired and we ended up in this barnyard, I guess what it was, and the entire ceiling of it, you know, had like vegetables and these other things. And I'm a little kid looking at it and then just pictures of seeing my mom like, just grabbing bags of stuff and just like, okay, let's go. And we're walking literally, it's in the middle of the country out through this dirt road, hoping to get to the bus stop before the last bus gets there. Those are my memories of Cuba. Um, another funny story, not so funny story. You really, you know, food is like a big thing. If you don't wake up early enough in Cuba, you're not eating for the day. After a long, long, long time, somehow my mom managed to get some steaks and uh, so she cooked them. We were all there and, and we ate. My brother wasn't there. One of my brothers wasn't there. And uh, so my mom had the steak for him waiting in his plate. The cat ate it. He beat the shit out of the cat, man. <laughs> 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 to make that long story short, I just jumped to the cat ate it. He beat the shit out of it. To just wrap up with Cuba, Cuba is a fucking disaster. Mm -hmm. And for those socialists here, Please do not feel that you need to defend Cuba in order to defend socialism. Mm -hmm. It's just too So what is the distinction of what people consider socialism here in the United States? Well, so people are using the same word. And at least with most of the people that I've talked to, again, this, is, this does not apply for everybody, but they're really just aren't aware of the history. Number one really of traditionally all the countries that really do call themselves socialists. People think people have like a, a, a Norwegian model or Swedish model, and that's really what they refer to socialism. And I really want people to have those distinctions very clear for them and that not to feel that they have to uh, support or make reasons for why Cuba is the way it is or you know, I, I see it all the time. The main difference is I think that when people talk about socialism here, they, they're still talking about a, a democratic system that has representatives where, where, where people can address their grievances, where, where you have outs. Unfortunately, communism, which 
for the people that have lived in such countries, there is no difference between communism and socialism because that is the system. It's just, it's just not the same thing and people are getting caught up in words. So I think one is more of like the Swedish model. The other one is more like, you know, Cuba, Soviet Russia, you know, and sort of what's happening right now with Hugo Chavez and the rest in Venezuela. Not Hugo, Hugo passed away, but you mm -hmm. know. he started it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He started the bad trend. Now let's transition over to the Jehovah Witness part. And you said how, you know, you mentioned the word cults, you mentioned the word, you know, the words like religion you know, shaping the way that you saw things before you had a chance to choose them. You know, when I think of that, I think culture does the same thing, right? Yes. Even if you yes. grow up without religion, culture is going to make you, it's going to shape you in a way before you even had a chance to be aware that you get to chose those things. Yes, but so, generally with culture, um, real quick, I think it happens a, a lot more by osmosis. You have all these different peoples with different ideas throwing thoughts at you sometimes you know you have school also now becoming a bigger and bigger role into what you're supposed to think is good and bad yeah the other one is a lot more targeted more precise more and we can get into it yeah mm -hmm. and you know you characterized it by saying that it is kind of cultish but kind of not cultish mm -hmm. and when i think of every single religion even culture itself i think everything is a cult just some of them are top 40 you know, you have the top 40 of cults, <laughs> which are the popular ones that, oh, I really, I really love that one. Yeah. And then you have yeah. the ones that are kind of obscure, that are kind of weird. But all of them come down to you're either a hit or you're not. <laughs> but they're, they all still have cultish Yeah, yeah. Ways. yeah that's, that's a great conversation. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a great conversation. I, don't, I, I have some thoughts in it, you know, because I was thrown in it since I was a kid and I had to find my way out. Um, and it is really finding your way out um, because you, you have to leave in some ways, you definitely have to leave their authority, the systems of authority and the people you love in a way you have to be able to part with them or at least particularly in that religion. And I'm going to start calling it a religion because I really don't want to call it a cult and, and we'll discuss it. Right. But I'll call it particularly in that religion which is one where you can be uh, excommunicated and have all the people that you know, that you've spent a lot of time with, all the people that you like, not talk to you. And my biggest issue at the time was my mother, right? So, I mean, if, if you, if you want to like jump right in it and discuss what's the difference between religion and a cult, we can do it. Well, <laughs> you know, my wife, Maritza, you know, I, I think you guys spoke with her when we went on our camping trip that weekend, but she grew up Jehovah's Witness. Her father was excommunicated, but mm -hmm. he wanted to be. He was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> throw me into the fire, please. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh -huh. But, you, you know, there's there's all that stuff. But yeah, please share your distinction between what makes something a religion as opposed to a cult. It's a lot of work. Let's start there. So just just to give just to give people. Uh, what I think is uh, that don't have a sense how much work it takes to really start shaping somebody's mind. As a kid, we used to go to church twice a week, each for two hours. Mm -hmm. We had a, a meeting with at somebody's house with about 10 or 20 people, depending on the congregation that you went to for another hour. And then you had a personal one-on-one, -on -one, which I had one of the elders come, usually with somebody else. And they would, you know, we would go over the, all this was talking about over the Bible and the little books and Jesus Christ and so on and so forth. 
for all of that, you had to prepare, which was at least an hour for each one. Like if you spent less than an hour, it's like, well, what are you doing? I mean, like the reunion itself is for two hours. So how can you go over everything over one hour? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you had all of that. And then you had to go out preaching for at least 10 hours a month. If you don't go out preaching for 10 hours a month, that's like the bare minimum. It's like, are you, are you really a Jehovah's Witness? You know, that looking back, that's sort of like the pressure and things that, that they don't say it that way, yeah. right? Everybody's being very supportive, yeah. but that's the pressure. There's a guilt. Um, yeah. And on top of that, me being, you know, I've always been fairly smart. I was in many ways, the, the smart kid in, in the class came, came from my dad. Uh, a lot of my family members were also that person. In that sense, we have uh, good genes and, and that came through. And so they started edging me on to like give speeches. So I would get in front of the congregation, they would bring the, like, like a little stool or something for me to stand on. And I would give a talk to, you know, 120 people about Jehovah, Jesus Christ. There's a lot of work, I feel, that goes into shaping somebody's mind into a level that just generally speaking, without putting hard definitions, somebody might call cultish. Mm-hmm. Right. And this is why I talk, I, I say the difference between you and I, when we were talking about, you know, society and culture as a whole that does shape you, it does, but you really need a lot more targeted. You know, if you're going to get somebody to put on like a, a belt and blow themselves up, you're going to, you're going to need a lot more than just general yeah. culture, yeah. <laughs> generally speaking, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's one of the, that's one of the hard, that's one of the definitions I have usually requires a lot more interaction. Another one is that they ask you to give up your thinking. Not in that way. They ask you to think in the stuff that they give you. And then if there's something that you don't understand that you want to question, there they, they do tell you just believe in Jehovah faith. and you'll find it. Mm-hmm. And God and faith. What that really meant for me was believe in the elders or in this group of people. Uh, looking back. So internally, you don't really know what's going on. Early, early on, I had finished, I had figured out some things on my own because kids figure out things very, very early on, whether later on they decide to give it up because of influence or because of whatever. But I'll tell you a story. Um, When I was in elementary school, they made me the hall monitor, right? I was a good kid, generally speaking. One of the biggest decisions in my life is really till this day when I look back was I went to the school principal and I turned in my badge. And I said, I do not want to be the whole monitor anymore. I don't think I have a right to tell other people what to do. I don't like doing it. What it took me a long time was for me to figure out that that was true, but that it was also true of other people towards me, mm-hmm. that they didn't have the right you know, to tell me. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately what comes back and saves me from this religion, I believe. That, that was one of the things. And then later on in life, you ended up, you know, as you say, becoming an engineer. So how do you think becoming an engineer and now getting more into the world of science and tech and all that helped to shape how you thought about the world coming out of? Ooh, that's a... So I, I end up becoming an engineer Really, if I, when, when I've looked back on it, I have this, I had from very, very early on a deconstruction mindset. You know how all the kids, especially a lot of males, um, you know, they, they start breaking things apart and they 
you know, and then they can't put them back together. I put them back together. <laughs> so like this is going back together if it came apart yeah. and I'm going to figure it out. Does now, that mean does that mean I, you I, undid entropy? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as close as anybody can get. <laughs> as close as anybody can get. It it's a lot of mental maps. It's a lot of classifying. It's a lot of categorizing. It's a lot of coloring within the lines. Because of that, I can see how other people who are very, very, very artistic, they can think technical people aren't artistic. And sometimes people make them mutually exclusive. I don't, I don't think any of that applies, by the way. Well, but well, Richard Feynman uh, put that oh, to rest. Yeah. Oh, that guy doesn't, doesn't get, yeah, he was, he was in all universes at the same time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So thank you for sharing that part. And now we are going to transition into the next part. And now, after that fantastic beginning we have already, Align, what's been engaging your thoughts lately? Oh, yeah. Wow. So, a lot, obviously, we got to mention 2020, right? Yeah. 2020 gets a uh-huh. lots, lots has been happening this year. 2021 already? <laughs> lots well, of so that was the thing I was just going to say just earlier on. I posted something on, on, on Facebook, which I'm definitely trying to away from now is you know i'm snoozing people for 30 days left and right you know i love them i want to stay in touch with them because that's really a lot of the times that's really you know how i stay in touch with a lot of folks see their pictures see you know my nephews my nieces and uh but i'm just having to snooze people for 30 days left and right and i'm like you know i thought we were in 2021 but it almost seems like we're in december 38th of 2020 you know december 38th (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) What's been engaging my thoughts is coming out of, let's call it a technical mindset for now. I, I, don't, I don't think you can pigeonhole myself or people into any one group, but let's just say a, a, a technical mindset, a, an engineering mindset, very deeply philosophical. So yeah, I, I used to read a whole lot of philosophy. I spend my, my 20s. You used to? I, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess technically now it's still philosophy, but it's more of like the spiritual type. I've, you know, kind of... I was late to the Buddhism movement because I always had certain antagony towards it, antagonism towards it. But now, now I realized I had some definitions that needed reshaping. But uh, so what's engaging my thoughts right now has been spirituality. What is spirituality? What are the different ways of knowing? How does one get to unknow certain things? <laughs> How hard is it to do it sometimes? Overall, I would say 2020, out of all the things that have been happening, you know, a lot of people have been talking about the here and now. And for me, those buzzwords were like, I don't even want to talk about that because I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and now I'm over here like saying them every other day. <laughs> uh-huh. so, so you would say from the beginning of 2020 to now the beginning of 2021, there's definitely been some sort of shift in the way that you're thinking especially when it comes to things like the here and now yes seismic seismic shift and it's seismic because i am still going at it from the methodical technical engineering philosophical integrate 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 everything cannot have contradictions a equals a you know a thing is its own and when, some, when you have a contradiction, that implies to you, you went wrong somewhere. 
right? So this, this is like ingrained to like many, many stacks of books, you know, <laughs> and many, many, many hours at Barnes and Nobles. So I used to spend so much time at Barnes and Nobles, but I was always, you know, doing other things that I was a member of a kickball team. And, you know, I was back in the day in, in Coral Gables, which is like this area where people pass through. And I was in the cafeteria there all the time because I used to live there. They gave me a shirt and they put on it my nickname, which was B&N, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> yeah, because that's how a lot of people, you know, uh, it was just easier, you know. Everybody had a nickname. That was mine. Uh, I didn't get to choose. You know, most people got to choose theirs. I didn't get to choose. You know, I was a good friend of mine, but, you know, mm -hmm. that's, it was given to me. That that has been ingrained, which I actually, I think I, in many ways, I was born that way. Mm -hmm. You know, now when you look at kids, you clearly see lots of differences in between them that have to come from nature, you think, right? Because it's like I, parents yeah. haven't had enough time to like yeah. train them in these ways. Like, yeah, my way. kids are different. They're different people yeah even though they yeah. came from the same people <laughs> yeah 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 they're their own thing right they're 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 their own <laughs> a lot thing. Of concept. yeah so now now i am here putting these experiences and these ways of being trying to define them try to integrate them into into a whole in this past year that you've been doing the discovery how do you feel that it has begun to shape you in a new way it's begun to shape me into accepting that there are sources of knowledge that at the very least for now, you either already know are subtle. The only way to get to them is to, instead of trying to categorizing them and defining them, is just to chill out for a bit, breathe, and just be aware and be in the here and now yeah <laughs> just, and like other people call it openness yeah <laughs> yeah other people that's what they call openness the technical engineering mindset which is a part of me i've always had my other parts right i don't think anybody anybody who says oh i'm this they're not just that they're just always so much more mm -hmm. the first tool that you, the first tool that you have is you know, that hammer and you categorize, you define, it's this, you, it's gotta be that, you write it down, you underlined it. I have a quad color pen when I read and I have, you know, red, blue, and I, all my books, and then I make notes, uh, mm -hmm. rating systems and that whole bit. And I still do that. I first need to relax. And when you go inside, cause it's, it's a matter of going inside, seeing what comes up, you start allowing it to be and not try and define it, just look at it, you know, it just, it's like something completely new. You've, you've never seen this. Don't, you know, mm -hmm. look at it for a bit, uh, see if it, if you feel something, that type of deal. And that, that for me has been a, a seismic shift. And it's been uh, interesting as uh, somebody who's known you for a few years to begin to see it, right? Cause the, the way that you even phrase questions have begun to shift. Has it? I, I think so. Doing the philosophy discussion group or the, in Miami, you know, you were very, you're very much in people's faces, not in a bad way. No, yeah, but yeah. in a way that's like, all right, I'm going to challenge your thought and you can believe that I've put some thought into it. Yeah. <laughs> I challenge your thought. <laughs> you want to come up? <laughs> if you came to this fight, make sure you have some heavy guns. Where now yeah, definitely you, me. you've realized in one of the discussions we have where like just this simple word of biases. Mm -hmm. 
where if you if you're stuck in your biases and you're not open to seeing outside of your bias there's no other way you can ever think yeah and that's not worth even arguing or trying to bring up something to somebody who's not open to being in the here and now to think about something in a different way because they're just not open (laughs) yeah you know what i would say about that is that everybody everybody is in their own journey at their own level what ends up happening is as i'm sure it's happened with me everybody catches on first to the buzzwords and that's all you hear right so that that whole open thing yeah i would hear that and it would just be a trigger word for me i think that's the word you know the kids use nowadays right yeah and i'm like oh, i already know where you're coming from and it was and i was definitely here's what here's what tripped me here was he was a big obstacle for me the fact that i was correct in my thinking about how a large portion of people address things and go about things. And I may have been, you know, just assuming, right. Uh, being, let's call it a bit judgmental for now. And I haven't been, that I have may have been correct about them. Didn't mean that I was correct about the greater and deeper things within that subject. So let's say the here and now, the here and now is a spiritual, let's call it concept, right? A, a way of being, uh, but it's a buzzword. Everything, everything can become a buzzword. You can yeah. be, you know, mindfulness, be, presence, all these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, they, they could all be buzzwords. They become buzzwords and they're out in culture, as you say. And now we just see people just using them as excuses, using them to not define things, using them to not face things, using them to avoid things. Openness just became, I don't, my life is vague. Mm-hmm. I have no meaning in it. And I'm not going to do anything about it. And when somebody asks me something, I'll just say I'm open. Mm-hmm. Right. Or, so I would or they're not open because they don't see things my way. <laughs> could, be, could be, could be that. Right. So uh-huh. that one to me, that one to me was the first level that I looked at it and I was like, yo, no, no, no. It's not that I'm wrong at that level. That, 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 that's what tripped me. So I, I was able to, to come up with that way of thinking and that it wasn't just me, it's that it was them that were objectively, right? And, and people could, right, just like it could be happening to me right now, I could be, you know, not open and so on and so forth. And I definitely was not open in, 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 in lots of ways, which I had to find out what those words, what those ways were. To close it up real quick, I would say is that essentially that there is a need for that openness. There is a need for that here and now. And until I just like, took everybody else out of the picture and I started asking me what is the true need of openness what is the true need of here and now is when I started realizing that even in the people that were wrong for most of us there are components and they weren't necessarily wrong they were just like me trying to grapple at something that they didn't have an answer to now, this kind of reminds me of the podcast Jordan Peterson did with Sam Harris when they were trying to speak about what is truth. <laughs> Just, yeah. And they really didn't get very far. Didn't they? Uh, I don't want to tackle it. <laughs> if, they can, if they didn't get very far, I thought I'm going to get further. It's interesting, you know, when two people of, of very yeah. sound minds, you know, get into a topic and they literally can't get past the starting line because the starting they can't even yeah. agree on what the definition or the fundamentals or principles of truth are. You, you had said uh, a trigger word. And so I'm going to bring a trigger word out for you right now. 
and uh, we'll let it go where it goes. So the trigger word is COVID. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my God, that's a big trigger word. That's a 2020 trigger word, though. That's a 2020 trigger word. The thing <laughs> yeah. is that you, because you are, have that engineering mind, you're not afraid yeah. to do a little bit of due diligence and go find statistics and, and show people on your yeah. Facebook. <laughs> Yeah, so I had that epic run on Facebook with COVID, right? Yes. <laughs> I got pissed off at one point, yeah. So what yeah. are your thoughts on how we're handling this, how it's going, all, yeah. all that so, we're living through right now when it comes to that perspective? So the, the whole how are we handling, how are we doing it, uh, you know, those are, those are questions you can't divorce these days, unfortunately, for, from politics, it seems, right? Because if you say you're handling it good, then you're a Trump supporter. If you're handling it bad, then you're against Trump or whatever. You know, it's like if you were handling it good, then you're anti-science. That's an, you know, it's, it's another one. Mm -hmm. Handling it, you know, it's like it's it. COVID has been very, very, very rough for communication and personal relationships. Having said that, I did jump into. The boat and started rowing really fast <laughs> in one direction right yeah which I, I appreciate i appreciate having real numbers it's like well yeah this, this is what is here and we can juxtapose it across these other numbers and which numbers yeah, are yeah, better yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so essentially it, it I, at first i was throwing things out and then i was like this is useless everybody's entrenched into into their tribes there's no communication yeah i pull back and I, you know, sort of start watching the Netflix series now, Ram Dust, <laughs> yeah, you know, polishing the mirror stuff and uh -huh. you know, some other funny stuff and whatnot, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and then at some point, uh, a friend from volleyball had moved to Germany. I think, I think this was the trigger. He sends me this giant message about, you know, how I was wrong about COVID back then and so on and so forth. And I think I'm like, okay, I need to come back on and start posting things. And if anything, see if I can make my communication a little bit better. And that's when I just started posting graphs with very little of my personal narrative, just like, look at this, look at this, you know, just a few words over here. Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of those graphs in, in the COVID conversation was, you know, if, if, if your thinking is that what we do work or doesn't work, explain to me why, you know, New York and New Jersey have the same, same exact same graph. Mm -hmm. Right. So you have the graph where New York goes off into infinity. They start doing a whole bunch of things. It comes down to basically nothing. Cuomo writes his book, gets it out there, a complete utter success. Then it takes off back into infinity. And then you look at New Jersey, same thing. And you look at all the states in that area and they have this wave that goes up, it comes down, it flattens out, it comes this. Very, very particular. You look at the southeastern states, Florida, Georgia, Alabama, you know, it's like it starts at nothing, you get the wave, it comes back down, and then you have another wave. And it's they all have that general pattern, even though they had di different ways of handling it. Yeah. And so people are like, well, that's just different ways of handling. It. And I'm like, yeah, but it's cross state, and all the people over here, and then all the people that are, have more or less the same weather and region over there in Europe, they also have the same thing. And you know, it's like, so that's what I was posting. One of my major shifts is to try and think in what percentage of this or what component of that. So let's say, okay, if you think our actions have a certain effect, which they can, right? Obviously something we do. Well, you got to try something. That's science, right? You got to try. You gotta yeah. 
Let's yeah. see. And if you actually, if you're able to lock everybody in their house and not let anybody out for, you know, 14 days, 30 days, if that really was actually like an option, you know, things are going to happen. Most of us tend to think into, okay, that's a thing and not just see it as a component of another thing. It's like, there's the whole, yes, you can do your actions. And then there's the nature of the virus. I was trying to, by just posting charts and say, there's no way that all the actions in this region of states, they all lead to the same charts. Mm-hmm. And all the actions in this region, they all lead to the same thing. And over here, they do the same thing, particularly when different states next to each other had completely different laws and actions and did different things at different times. So that's what I, that's, that's where I was and up to the late of 2020. Now it's 2021. I'm not doing that anymore for now. Okay. But yeah, I, I think just to state it clearly, I think at least here in the United States, unfortunately, Fortunately, and unfortunately, when we got to a certain level of the virus being at certain levels everywhere, you really couldn't stamp it out. And now it's running its course. That does not mean that if you have elderly parents or you have people that are that you need to be careful with, because this does affect especially the elderly at much, much higher rates and it will kill them, that you need to be extremely careful. And in fact, I had um, this conversation repeatedly with somebody that I was very, very close to. And I was like, listen, if you really care about your parents, communicate with them often through Zoom, make sure everything is fine. Do not go see them. You either will get it and you will give it to them or it's going to be very close around you. And sure enough, it was very close around her. Several people in her where she works got it and so on and so forth. So I am definitely not a denier. Mm -hmm. I do believe though that people need to assess their own risk level. And that right now where it is, it, the virus is doing it mostly its own thing. And I think our actions are having a very, very, very limited effect. And people should not think that masks are keeping them safe, especially when dealing with loved ones. You need to go much higher than the mask if you're really scared about somebody you really love dying. Mm-hmm. Having said that, for 99.7% of the population, <laughs> you'll be high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, yeah. yes, let's, let's go. I would even put it more to 95 because there will be three to 4% of people who will survive, but will have some long-term organs that are messed up and all this and that, because we're still yeah. learning about all this. It's all brand yeah, there, there's, new. There's, <laughs> that's a valid point that, that people always bring up, but here's the thing that happens with everything. Yeah. With everything. Like the mm-hmm. flu has a whole ton of long lasting implications. Sometimes, sometimes people can't, can't see at all mm-hmm. for a week. I mean, and this is the kind of stuff that you start finding out as somebody yeah. like me, you start delving deep into the, into what the heck is this, what the heck is going on. And the reason I said, 99.7% is comes out of the literature. Uh, this guy called um, John Ioannidis, mm-hmm. uh, Stanford scientist, who is a giant in here. He's probably one of the most cited people, peer reviewed um, in the world. He's probably he's definitely up there, probably top ten. I would say he did a study, you know, essentially getting all the studies from around the world. Yeah 
and showing so that meta analysis. Average, yeah, yeah, it's not, you know, so that 99.7 is not like like a property of the virus. It's, it has to do with the, the age of the population where you're at and other whole other variables. But just to throw a number out there, right, we're not going to go over this. It's, I think it was 86 studies that he got from around the world. And they're all, after you look at all of them, the number is 99.7, which is two to three out of a thousand. You know, you're correct. There are there 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 side effects, long lasting side effects for some people. Other people yeah. don't have anything. Yeah, that's Most the number. Let's say, for fatality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we definitely don't want to linger on this downer. Yeah, too long. Mm-hmm. So now, 2021. 2021. We're living in a crypto world now. Oh wow! <laughs> right. The thing is, how insane is it really? Because you've been following this for quite some time. The things that you've sent to me or that I've seen on your page have been saying, hey, they've been, you know, uh, they've been sounding the horn. Hey, this is this yes. is happening. This is coming. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So quick background. I come into Bitcoin late. I what I consider late in the game. So we're talking about not good with time, but before before the previous halving. So we're talking about tw- early 2017 when yeah. when crypto was like at. Bitcoin was like at a thousand Mm -hmm. it's you know that's when I start coming in and I really start going heavy with another buddy of mine I start co-hosting another podcast you know he has all these great connections we end up interviewing I think our most notable interview was uh, Patrick Byrne the CEO of Overstock Mm -hmm. who was the first major retailer to accept Bitcoin he's a giant in the space just because he's of the support he's given and so that's where I start with that with that craziness that really brings out my so I, you know I've read a bunch of ton ton of books on economics I have my my little island defined of what I think is economic correctness you know yeah. mm-hmm. and just Bitcoin just aligned with everything there right mm-hmm. I had actually seen it before a long time ago Bitcoin but I thought government would stamp it out and would yeah. kill it I thought this never same happened thing. <laughs> yeah and and here we are now I was in the first wave. Right in the first wave on the run to 20,000. Mm-hmm. That was, is very clear to see now looking back. That was all what they call retail. Yeah. Right. So that was all retail traders, regular people. Everybody was calling me left and right. How do I get Bitcoin I'm over here struggling? How to tell people how to open up a Coinbase yeah. account and all yeah. this madness. Um, and it was way harder back then than it is today. Way, way harder. Now people have like Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a funny, <laughs> yeah, funny story. Um, I had this friend that I kept uh, telling her about Bitcoin. Uh, uh, she was a trader, very smart person, but she was like trying to put it off and this and that. And uh, it never happened. I got a text message like a few weeks ago. Of like, she's like, I finally bought Bitcoin and she did it because PayPal, you know. Yeah, they started to do it. it So much easier for everybody to get it. So she just square and yeah. Yeah, send me the screenshot. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what's happening now. So how do you think what they are calling now this DeFi movement is going to shape everything that's going on in the world? Because you've got the pandemic, you've got, and then you've got this whole decentralization of you know the fiat of currencies yeah yeah just to leave something clear i think what's happening now is different than what happened before what happened before was mostly uh retail Mm -hmm. but in that narrative we we kept telling people you know when the investment starts coming in smart money comes in this thing is going to take off yeah clearly now we can look back and say you know hindsight is 2020 
the smart money, the big money never came in in that round. Yeah. It had run up too fast, too quickly. It, um, they didn't have an edge, which is what they always look for. Right. So, um, also another thing I, I at one point, I wanted to seriously get into trading. I ended up getting, I was a stockbroker, certified as a stockbroker in the state of Florida, mm -hmm. simply because the firm that I was in for, for the strategies we were running, we needed it. So mm -hmm. I say that because now it, it's clear that they needed an edge. And once it runs up so fast, so quickly, and the people that are supporting it is really retail, which is, you know, emotion and yeah. hope for the future and buying a lotto ticket in many, in many ways, right? Yeah. They, they didn't have, they didn't have an end. So, and, and back then there was a lot of career risk, meaning you're buying into something that is yes. not established. Mm -hmm. You buy something like that. At worst, everybody's going to look at you like, what the heck are you doing? Even if it turns out to be right. Mm -hmm. So they never came in. The retail people, the regular folks run out. It's mm -hmm. unsustainable at those levels. It crashes. Right now we do have Smart money, big money coming in. Oh well, yeah, you have the Paul Tudor Jones, and everybody's yeah, talking yeah. about it. I now. mean, you have you have Cash App. So the big one everybody mentions is MicroStrategy, who has made several pur purchases. Mm -hmm. Right now, they're up to one point one billion dollars in Bitcoin, which is going up every day. Yeah, I, I, astronomically. I woke up today, and I'm like, holy crap, we're about to hit forty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. um, but you have other companies, and you have all these other names that uh, are seeing essentially crypto is an official certified asset well particularly not. bitcoin and ethereum which have futures have custodies and there are on ramps meaning big investments in order to get into this by laws there's there's a lot of things that need to happen yeah bitcoin and very soon ethereum will have that with this second run now it is no longer a one-hit wonder. Yeah, right? no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. And last and last time we had a lot of other hits as well, right? Because because retail is it starts sprinkling their money once mm -hmm. everywhere, but but that but was when time, it yeah. first really came into let's call it the overall cultural consciousness was that last run, yes, twenty thousand. Now you're yeah. having another one, so now it's not a one-hit. It wasn't a one-time thing where if you yeah. got in on it, you were lucky, you cashed that lotto ticket. Now it's like okay, now it's here to stay. And now it's definitely here to stay amongst even amongst investment folks, which is mm -hmm. that's that's what well, we they're were, the ones coming for it. Yeah, they're that's the ones what we were talking about last time. And, and they never came, you know, they never came mm -hmm. in riding their white horse to save us. The thing is that we probably need and, you know, this is an ugly word for a lot of people, but we probably need regulations on it. For then those bigger named, you know, investment firms, hedge funds. Once it has regulation, then it's like, okay, we're keeping our eye on you because we want to make sure that, you know, you don't run away with it either in a bad way. Yeah. So again, so, I, and that's why I said it's an ugly word, regulation. Yeah, it's an ugly, but that it's gives it a little bit word. more legitimacy if it's regulated. Yeah, it's, it's an ugly word. And I don't know how much people are familiar with crypto, but it, it's an ugly word definitely for the original Bitcoin crowd, which were a lot of, let's say, libertarians, a lot of... Yeah. unfettered market capitalism yeah. is better than your, the government out of everything <laughs> right yeah. to bring up to bring those two two big words and there and then on top of those you have what they call the bitcoin maximalists which are folks that think that you know bitcoin is the coin to rule them all you yeah. know it's like <laughs> <laughs> you know it is the one all this other stuff is just you know yeah. they call them shit coins essentially right mm -hmm. so those are the terms but the thing is as i was saying earlier and we were talking about it yeah they're there are all these laws 
like if you're running a fund for a university, even if you wanted to, you can't, right? <laughs> if, if, you're, if, if you're messing with somebody's retirement fund, you you're Vanguard, yeah. you're Fidelity, which is actually very big into crypto and has other things, you know, but mm -hmm. even if you wanted to, even if you're a CEO that wants to put some of that money, you know, even if it's just 1% as, as Chamath yeah. says, and thank you, you for Shaman, do it unless way. there are certain laws, yeah. unless meet certain requirements. Yeah. And that's why I was saying earlier, and this is why you see a lot of the time, the, the this is why you see the Bitcoin really running up first. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of that money can go into Bitcoin because it has custody. You can do certain things with it. And you see Ethereum is coming up now, but Bitcoin is like at twice what it was before, yeah. where Ethereum is just kind of reaching the top where it was before. Yeah, but I think- And Ethereum that is- or would you say that Ethereum, at least in 2020, the percentage that it grew, and it didn't grow because it still hasn't reached that top, like you said, but it still grew more of a percentage if you would have gotten it at the bottom, per se, than Bitcoin did, you know, did it? among the same time. Because Ethereum was like 400 something percent. And I think yeah, Bitcoin so was the almost Ethereum there. I was just looking at the charts because I was asking myself those questions and sometimes you lose sight of it, right? So the low on Ethereum, it hit it twice on the first rundown and then recently on the DeFi hack. And I think it was it was $88. I just looked recently, it was around $1,200. Yeah, on its way um, past 14 yeah. soon, probably. <laughs> yeah, Bitcoin came to around 3K. Yeah. And right now it's at... It's almost at 40, you know, like almost 40 K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Bitcoin is like 35 around there, you know? So, so, yeah, but I just think that's thinking that leads to disaster because mm -hmm. the only, and I, and I know this from trading and from having that, that run that I, that I attempted to, to switch into full-time trading. The only people that buy at the bottom and sell the tops are liars. Uh, are, the only yeah. people that do it consistently yeah right <laughs> are liars, or you got you got lucky yeah yeah been... they're the only ones that do uh -huh. that and 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 that doesn't really offer you strategies if you're really looking at it from an investment standpoint as responsible as you can looking at at that oh what did doesn't really offer you a mm -hmm. working strategy to grow your capital and to have something that can make your life better, right? Without mm -hmm. the craziness, without the emotionalism. Neither one of us, even though I have my 215 license, you have the license that you tried to uh, to uh, get on uh, to become a full-time trader. Yeah. But we are not giving advice. <laughs> we are yeah, not no, giving no, no, advice. No, this is just talking. But in fantasy land. Fantasy land. Where is it going? How high does it go before we so, try to get out? <laughs> okay, so in fantasy land, number one, um, here's what happens. A lot of people come in and it's happening now and everybody wants to go into these alternate coins because they think they're going to rule the world. Mm -hmm. What I would say, and they may end up, you know, they may end up ruling the world. I don't know. Uh, it didn't happen last time. What's happening now is smart money uh, and other folks are coming in to the coins that they can. Yeah. Which is mainly Bitcoin. Ethereum. and ethereum they're gonna release with a 2.0 futures for ethereum i think february something or other i think that's the schedule right now unless you really are into this yeah and have done good amount of research and you think you can feel your way around if you really just want to get into crypto get into those two yeah if you want to dabble do not go out of the top 10 yeah that would be my suggestion 
my three favorite ones are Bitcoin, Ethereum, and I think as I've told you once before, if we lived in a rational world, and I know I'm going to get a lot of pushback here because as there's a lot of vitriol in 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 in, in that world. Yeah. You know, everybody has their own personal they're, coin. They're, and they're talking tribes. about their mother. You're talking yeah. about their mother. <laughs> yeah, you said some very bad things about their mother. If we lived in a rational world, and I think they're still working towards that, and they're actually moving, they're doing good, I, I would say Cardano. But again, the question to ask yourself, uh, or that I should say the question that I ask myself is where the, where's the demand coming from? Right now, the demand is not what is going to be the cryptocurrency that we all use to buy coffee. And I yeah. think that's what would happen a lot before. Mm-hmm. The demand right now is coming from smart money. Mm-hmm. And they have their needs and their requirements. And if what you're looking for is an investment, you have to take that into account. If what you're doing is with your money, you're voting and you're supporting a particular project, then yes, then go with whatever you think is the answer that will make life better and the earth better and the universe better. That definitely, but that requires knowledge. That's not, that's not, you know, a scratchy ticket. That's yeah. not a lot of ticket. That's yeah. um, full on. I'm putting this on because I know this company and I believe in their, you know, like a lot of people have done that with Tesla. Yeah. And it's yeah. worked out great. Yeah. Because Elon they believe is in Tesla. Yeah. They believe yeah. in what Elon he's doing. Stud. Yeah. But, but even, but even there, right. You have to know who you're, if you also, if you're not just supporting, if you want an investment, because a lot of uh, solar power companies, just they've gone bankrupt. Yeah. In fact, in that realm, sustainable energy, it is very likely that companies just go bankrupt. So you, yeah. you got to keep that. It's the same over here. Because it's still a very new technology. So yeah, it's, you it's, have to, it's, it's, a, it's a high a risk. Deal. Yeah. yeah, business mm-hmm. is just a whole different, it's a whole different deal. I mean, Elon is a badass mm-hmm. extraordinaire, but yeah. And now that's he's the, he's a he's the LeBron of well yeah. Jeff Bezos is the LeBron but yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know he just he, but he Elon is on he his stopped, way yeah, yeah he, he just he just stopped Bezos today on he's now today. the richest man yeah but uh, but even then right if if even even if you get out of this like he's my hero thinking if if you start getting into how close Tesla came to bankruptcy oh yeah <laughs> I mean. They were very close to bankruptcy. I think it was 2017, 2018. Yeah. He actually reached out to Apple, the CEO Apple, Tim, Tim what's, what's his name? Tim Cook. Yeah, Tim, Tim Cook. And you know, he said Tim Cook didn't even take the meeting. Yeah. He said they were they were 30 days away from bankruptcy. So even with somebody like like that, with te- that's how rough this is. Yeah. It's the same in crypto. Yeah. So that's what I tell folks overall, or not tell, you know, I just try and bring it up because I try to correct myself between telling and asking people to consider, you know, because now being in the space of, of how we work and energies and, and generally I, yeah, you see like my energy, like you said, it's trying to like, oh, this is it. And I've thought about it and this is blah, blah, blah. So, you know, just trying to get people to consider. Yeah. And it's just business is is real, real tough. And um, yeah, so Bitcoin, Ethereum my baby, which I put money into, well, actually now I have it all in Bitcoin, but, but it's, it's Cardano. Mm-hmm. Cardano, if there's, if the world was rational, it's going to end up in Cardano. And you mentioned this person before, and so I'm going to give you a big thank you for introducing me to uh, his content. And that is Shamath. 
You know, oh, <laughs> I, I, I really resonate with the message that he's trying to put. Yeah. And that's because I believe, and again, I don't know him, but I believe that he realizes that he's part of a select few of people that has a lot of power in the world. And oh, is, yeah. And yeah, is yeah. trying to use it for good. Yeah. Talk about an eloquent brown man. <laughs> Smart. Oh, my God. That guy. Have you, have you seen his latest tweet? He's like, when Bitcoin reaches 150,000, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy out the Hamptons and make yeah. it like, uh, for poor people. I'm going to make a school for kids or something and low income housing or something yeah. like that. And another thing is, so it's on its way. Yeah. But yeah, because we, you know, he's been saying in his stories, he's always said, you know, all the Bitcoins he has, he has acquired. Yeah. But he actually didn't give the number. He actually gave the number. He has a million Bitcoins. Oh, <laughs> that dude, that dude has a million Bitcoins. <laughs> and, not, and, but what's and, more interesting. And he doesn't even is, need it. <laughs> yeah. But what, what, so he, that was the thing, right? Uh -huh. When, so that's what remember when we were talking about not thinking about, you know, it went up this much. When yeah. you look at what led him to make that decision is it's when he gets that classic quote, which he was like, this is schmuck insurance. Yeah. This is insurance against all the people in power and control mm -hmm. that think they know what they're doing and they think they can tell how to run people's lives and how to run the world. And they're just, you know, the central banks and all these people which are drunk with power. Yeah. And he and he looked at it and him and a few of his friends when he started getting into it and he's like, this is schmuck insurance. Yeah. And, and I'm going to buy 1% for him, obviously. Well, first of all, he got it in very, very early. I think it was like 2012 or something like that. Yeah. And 1% for him was not the 1% for you and I, right? Yeah. He had already been through 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 Winamp, through Facebook. He was already a billionaire by that point, mm -hmm. probably. So a right? million to him at that point was <laughs> whatever. Yeah, so he threw in his 1%. Uh-huh. Um, and that 1% Has... uh, in today's numbers is based also on the price that it was at the time. I think he said he... Uh, he averaged in at around a hundred dollars a coin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, turned out to be a million <laughs> coins. Yeah, yeah. So good for him because yeah, so again, when he reaches one hundred and fifty thousand, I'm moving uh, to the Hamptons. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think that's great for him because he, the stories, the things that come out of his mouth, he's going to try to do good things with the things he's been able to acquire in this yeah, existence yeah. that he's got. So yeah, he's up, thank he's you. up to good stuff. Yeah. All right. So now we're going to transition to the next part of the podcast. So here come the, they're not rapid fire, but they're questions. Okay. So if you could speak to somebody dead or alive, who would that be? Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. All right. What, what, what would you, what kind of discussion would you have with Maya? I don't even know what I would have with Maya, but I know that she would be able to look at me and guide me in the right way. Right now, I'm at this point where you see me, you, how I talk and how I direct and this and that. I'm, I'm at the point, you know, in, in, in my journey to spirituality where you start getting into the openness questions. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, also did a lot of work in Landmark. That was another okay. you know, thing. Spent yeah. like four years there. And they talk a lot about the unknown, unknown things you don't know yeah. that you don't know is really yeah. what gets you. Reminds me of that Rumsfeld uh, quote from back in the day, the, the unknown unknowns. But the anyways, unknown unknowns. Yeah, uh, that's a side, side, side ta a tangle area. Mm -hmm. um, so I would be Maya. Number one, she, she just reminds me of my mother. Oh. She just has this, this caring sweetness. Mm -hmm. just, my mom was just, I had this eternal caring sweetness. I, everybody loved my mother. Everybody loved me because I was my mother's son. Mm -hmm. Just 
I had my own, you know, I had my own attraction to me. You know, I was a smart little kid. I, you know, did what I was told, but yeah. Um, so she has that eternal sweetness with the oomph when she needs to tell you something, she'll tell you right on your face. And I would just, I would choose to talk to her because I, I would think it would be engaging conversation. I don't even know. I'm not like, I'm not saying, oh, I want to talk crypto to her. I want to get her <laughs> opinion on what think, you know, how, you know, society is going to turn out because cryptocurrencies are not being used instead of nothing like that. But yeah, she just, she's just awesome. And I think she, she would probably be able to get me to consider mm -hmm. certain things and definitely coming from her, I would, I would tend to have an ear towards whatever she says. All right. Awesome. So what are maybe th three of the top resources that have inspired you? Overall, like yeah. in the Align Universe? In the Align the Universe. Resources? Three. Because yeah. I know if I let you go, then we'll be here until the, until the, the yeah. heat death of the universe, still talking about resources. My mother is one of them, for sure. And she was a, a silent, actionable teacher. I am the worker I am today because of her. Because of seeing she was just not giving up. If she had to go out into the country and be out there getting whatever she needed to do, she would do it. When we got here to the United States, we, um, we would go around the recycling bins, picking up cans. We had mountains of cans and she, she, would, she would get half a cinder block and, um, and, and bend over like this. And I would be on my knees and I would get like this mountain of cans and I would get one can, oops, I would get one can, put it, she would crush it, poof, and I would put it away. And literally it was this, shh, 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 shh. my mom was just, mm -hmm. Let's go. and, and uh, we would crush trash bags full of those. And, you know, so she always, she, I got that from her. Mm -hmm. That was, you, you just go, you, you make forward. it, you do it. <laughs> there's a way, there's a way, yeah. mm -hmm. there's a way, find it, find it, there's a way mm -hmm. uh, from her. As I leave the Jehovah's Witness, I leave a lot behind um, looking for something to grasp and philosophy. I actually ran into, I know she's controversial and, you know, in many ways, not that I, I have added a lot of other Who's things. Who's not controversial? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, but you know, this one, this one is definitely controversial. Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time, I had no idea who she was. And I would just read a ton of her books. I would sit in Barnes and Nobles with just a stack this high. It was Ayn Rand. Mm -hmm. um, Ayn Rand and actual Nathaniel Brandon, which was her 20-year younger lover who eventually she ejects out of heaven and mm -hmm. throws him out on his own. And But the guy was a brilliant mind on his own. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he, through him, I was able to put some of the things that I would consider Ayn Rand got wrong, which is bad words in that, in that universe. Yeah, uh -huh. Saying Ayn Rand got anything wrong is like bad, bad, bad stuff. Cause it's like, but then she wouldn't be human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, 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 <laughs> yeah. trust me. It's bad. It's another uh, quick, quote. Yeah. Quick side note before I go to my third person. One time when I was in my twenties, finally, after reading her for years, I'm like, I'm going to go try and find these people. Right. This is like, yeah, this is my this is this is my tribe. This, yeah. So I looked up uh, an Ayn Rand group. I went over there. Man, I have never had so many arguments in my life. <laughs> like screaming at the Starbucks. Everybody was looking at us. It was weird. And I left there. I'm like, 
all these people are members of a cult. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's people everywhere, right? I'm sure they're not all like that. And so on. I think, uh, you know, Sarah Elise Boggs, right? Yes. So yeah. she was a, a big part of Ayn Rand community. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, that's how I met her. I met her because after that, after I went to that Starbucks, I joined another meetup. Mm-hmm. And just as I joined, the guy that was there dropped. And you know how you have that, like, yeah. That oh, do you want to take it off. over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the very last minute, I was like, I guess I'll take it over. So mm-hmm. then in there, I start trying to um, rebuild, <laughs> to make you know personal connections. Uh, and uh, one of the one of the people on my list that I reached out to was her, and it turned out to be great with her and 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 some other people that I actually I still have uh, contact with, just simply because if nothing else. If nothing else, generally it's people off that have decided to figure out things on their own, kind of like I was, I was figured, figuring out things on my own and they have material and they have stories like everybody else, but it is, it's kind of hard to, to pinpoint it now in such short time, but it, it's, it's their own, it's not a click because they're all their own different people, but they have an approach of independence an yeah. approach of independence for sure. And who's that third resource? The third resource right now, I have to say Ramdas. That guy, that guy is just, he's another, I mean, a lot of people know Alan Watts. Yeah. Ramdas is like next level, next level. And I don't, you know, I don't want to put hierarchies. Yeah. And, you know, just, just, well, just if we, here, right? If now. we go Jordan Peterson, everything ends up in hierarchies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lobster. <laughs> We're around. We're around, yeah. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just Ramdas just, just has a way, I, you know, sometimes when I, so I, I watch a lot of videos, uh, things that are trying to get you to do things. And oftentimes when you play a video and you hear somebody talk, you're like, uh, and even if this guy has the best information in the world, I can't do it. You know, yeah. just move on. Yeah. Ramdas for me, his way of speaking, his jokes, mm-hmm. his stories, just truthful he is with you know his own journey he's just next next level right now i'm reading polishing the mirror right here with my protractor (laughs) and my quad color pen and those are those are definitely a much cooler post than the the covid graphs but i appreciate the covid graphs too (laughs) and by by the way for those who are watching make sure to get the foldable protractor Uh uh-huh because when you have the books and you know the pages kind of bend, you need yeah. to go. You need your lines need to be straight. They need to <laughs> <laughs> color within the lines. One of the biggest problems in my life. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, so Rob does definitely had a, an uh, interesting journey yeah. in this form. And so next question, and you've brought her up a few times. So here's the time travel question. So are you ready? If you can go back in time, and speak to your 18 year old mother. What advice would you give her? That's a tough one. I don't, I don't know that I have any advice to give her. Okay. I really don't know. Um, so part of that is because, so I am the youngest of seven, right? And one of... It's not a regret. It is maybe a a little bit of a regret. I never got to know my mother as a woman. I only got to know her as my mother, right? So she was my entire universe. Um, Even though I'm 
youngest of seven. We moved from Cuba there during the whole Mario boat lift. My dad left. I was when I was two years old, and my brother, you know, it was like they got thrown in jail. Fidel Castro, communism. It's a big story. Everybody, if you've seen the movie, um, what's this movie with uh, Al Pacino? I forget. Scarface. Scarface. Have you seen that? The whole Scarface, the whole boat scene that really happened. <laughs> 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 that whole... <laughs> yeah. If, uh, if, if you know that, that, that part when he talks to you about, let me tell you about communism, man. That's mm -hmm. really true. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know there's an inside joke that when he starts talking about pulpo, um, mm -hmm. what do you say? Um, Squid. Yeah. Pulpo. Communism. Yeah. I don't, they didn't, they didn't have much food, but they had tons of squid. Like in school, yeah. the entire thing was like just disgusting. I hate squid anyways. <laughs> um, but back to my mother, I, I, I never really got to know her as a woman. I don't know what kind of man my mother likes. Mm -hmm. I never really got to know my father. I know he was extremely intelligent, was very charismatic and so many things. But I guess it was something like that. But, you know, like I never got to know that. I, there was a lot of things I never got to know knowing her story she went from the country zero electricity out there with the snakes eating the eggs and the chickens mm -hmm. she moved to havana i i don't know what i can what advice i could give the only advice i could give her which is like now looking back i was like do fasting you know, <laughs> I can't give her any life advice. The thing is that in Cuba, you know, it's like she, she, um, she ended up getting Parkinson's, right? Mm -hmm. And um, she did great with Parkinson's for a long time. But then when it hit her, it hit her hard. It was it was essentially over when it hit her. And she but she fought like incredible. I mean, that, that was, yeah, it would be that, you know, just because we know right now that fasting helps with that and so much more. So if I could tell her one thing just so that I could have her longer, mm -hmm. would be that. Well, thank you for sharing and uh, sharing your vulnerability with us. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to do that. No, no, that's that's. <laughs> but but the work yeah. the work requires that I do so. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So next question is: uh, Are there any questions you would like to ask me? We've we just gone back and forth for so long. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what I would ask. No, I don't. I, I would have to think about that too long. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Nothing comes up right now. I'm yeah. sorry. So we just keep keep having the discussions that we have and the questions that come up, come up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Maybe, maybe we can edit that answer in later. Uh -huh. <laughs> we'll For sure. Uh, whenever you come back to Colorado, you know that uh, there'll be plenty more discussions to be had. Yeah. Well, we'll have the next one in person. Yeah, for sure. So let the people know where they can find more of a line. Well, I think right now, the only place where they can get to me and in many ways, a lot of the I've been drawing back a lot from the social media, but um, they can still find me on Twitter, which I really haven't been saying much, but um, you know, uh, crypto Van Gogh. Yeah. And on Instagram as Bitcoin Van Gogh. So just because uh, we brought up Shamath earlier, last night I was watching like one of the most recent things that he was talking mm -hmm. about and he was talking about his SPACs and this and that, mm -hmm. and that he had this project that he was working on that had to do with like wellness, but that they couldn't find a good CEO. So I immediately went to his Twitter and I was like, hey, <laughs> present. <laughs> I'll, I'll be the CEO for whatever yeah, company yeah. You're, you're, you're funding and you're behind. I, I don't know if I've gotten a response yet, but... 
at least yeah. Uh, yeah. I threw it out into the universe. So uh, thank you very Good much for your man. time and attention. I really appreciate you as a person and I appreciate you sharing all the uh, fantastic knowledge you've got between your ears with uh, all of us. So yeah. thank no, you. This was great. Yeah, always, always fun to chat. So for all of you out there, if you like this episode, please like, share, and rate it. If you felt that the message resonated with you, and you can find this and past episodes of Wait, and remember it's Wait, W-E-Y-T, for what's engaging your thoughts on YouTube at Wait Show, Facebook, Wait Show, Instagram, Wait Show. And if you'd like to schedule a call with me, you can email me at waitshow at gmail.com. And in closing, as always, time and attention is the greatest gift we can give to each other. So here's to spreading more peace, love, and smiles. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Later.